0: Hello to everybody out there on radio slash podcast land. I hope you're doing well. This is Matt from the Rub Wrestling Podcast, along with Chris and Josh, who are, uh, you know, I, we're starting to get slightly fatigued here, gentlemen, I think from all of the PLEs, PPVs, whatever you want to call them. I've been working some double duty this week, but, uh, you know, I... I uh, as much as we're kind of been working hard, you know the kids are going back to school tomorrow, so I uh, just have to call them suckers, basically. So um, I can't wait to see the sad faces walking into that building tomorrow. It'll be great. As much as you need an education, nobody likes going back to school when you've been on vacation for ten weeks. Correct? What? What? Am I right or am I wrong? All right. right. So basically, with that, guys. If you need to reach out to us you can find our podcast please hit a follow or subscribe you can find us on all the major places you can find us on apple you can find us on google you can find us on spotify big hits for us you can find us on youtube um still going to work on some video maybe later on, but we're kind of working on that right now, but we're getting a lot of views from YouTube. So thank you so much. Also, if you have any questions for us, you want to talk rumors, you want to bring stuff up, you want to let us know how you're doing, we can you can hit us up at TheRubWrestling at Outlook.com. That is our podcast email. Feel free to hit us up at any time, and uh, you can have your question asked on the podcast. But with that being said, really, really busy. A couple days. Saturday was WWE Payback. Sunday was all out. And after there was a PLE the week before with all it up at Wembley stadium, you've uh, obviously we've talked about that during the preview show. So if you haven't watched that episode, just go back and watch that and then come back to this one. But with that being said, Chris, out of the two shows that came out Saturday and Sunday, which one did you like the best and why? Enlighten us.
1: Uh, well, moving into probably for the, I've, and I'll, I'll admit, I fell asleep for a bit of uh, all out. Um, I I think the atmosphere to me, I, I did. I did like the payback atmosphere until I kind of got deeper into the all out atmosphere. And uh, I think one of the big one of the big reasons that was so. So I, I guess to to put it in a perfect situation, about halfway through the all out show, I was leaning towards payback as being my favorite show um and then uh some matches got the crowd back into it the crowd started getting louder um and then with with the last matches where i was fully awake and i saw uh, i'd have to say just because of i uh, yeah i'd have to say that all out was was my fader of the two it, at, at one time it wasn't i even texted you that i thought it was dynamite plus at one point <laughs> um And then towards the end of it, uh, it won me back. So just like it won the crowd in Chicago back, the show won me back as well.
0: It was shock for me. I had some Red Bull. It gave me some wings, and I had like some sugar and stuff, so it was good. It worked out for me. So I uh, didn't necessarily fall asleep. I actually watched uh, watched back a little bit last night as well, Um, going across probably at 2 in the morning, some of the matches that we went for. But Josh, big news coming out uh, the day before All Out, which was that we heard that CM Punk was actually terminated from All Elite Wrestling. Um, and we know that your CM, we know that yeah. CM Punk is your best friend, um, and we know that you guys hang out sometimes. And we—that's just a joke. Obviously, that doesn't happen where you are up in uh, Ontario, Canada. But with that being said, what are your original thoughts about CM Punk's termination and going through? And do you think that this is going to hinder or be a great thing for AEW down the road?
2: Uh, well, I'm, I'm quite pleased uh, because I, I don't like Brooksy. Uh, causes too much turmoil and it seems like every other day he's in a different fight with somebody else over something that's irrelevant and he just takes things too personally and you know as other wrestlers have said that it seems like he's got some mental health problems clearly that's the case i mean this guy's sober uh straight edge but he acts like a maniac i i He's already gifted with everything that he needed in AEWs. Given the title, he's booked exactly the way that he wants, but it seems like he takes every little thing personally. He's a cancer to the locker room. I hope he goes to WWE and ruins the (laughs) WWE as well so that we can focus on AEW, the show that I much prefer. Um, But if he goes to WWE, then that's a shame for them because he's just going to do the same thing over and over again. Um, it's weird that, you know, he has so many enemies and there's people that he has that seem like they're really on his side. And, you know, he's really supportive of like the LGBTQ2 plus community, but like... There's something wrong with the guy. And it, he if he's that much of a cancer to the locker room where he's, like, fighting the pillars of your whole company, the company that got you where... The people that got you where you were, you added CM Punk, you know, what, three years into your promotion? Sure, he gave you an added boost. He needs a big draw. But, you know, if it's going to be at the cost of your other superstars, it's not worth it. Felt it
0: felt like a scenario for me when I'm kind of thinking about... And I, I don't like this analogy, but it's kind of what it is. It's like... It's like the kid that gets bullied all the way through for a couple years and then realizes, like, oh, he's the young kid and the older kids are picking on him. And then he realizes that he's the older kid and then he can do the bullying, but the the younger kids are standing up to him. And actually, and he's like, well, why is this even happening? Like, people should just be listening to what I'm saying. Like, I've been in the business for so long. This is is everything that I possibly could do and nobody's listening to me. They're just self-entitled. And it seems like that's the, the biggest case that we're seeing. I mean, Chris, when you talk about... CM Punk and this whole situation, and and we can go over the podcast we've talked about the cancer what, exactly what Josh said. Do you do you actually see him going anywhere else, or do you think like his career is finished at this point unless he makes retributions and amends? Uh,
1: this is uh, it's I this has got to be close to the end. Um I don't think unless unless he's in dire straits, um maybe he'll show up on the indies here or there, but. I just think like he's they. Josh said uh, he's been given his chance. He's been given two chances. He got his own show. (laughs) He caused he caused a huge problem. And now he got his own show to keep him away. And he still he still messes that up. I just I don't know. Like I said earlier, he's definitely a narcissist. I just it's like he self-sabotages every every opportunity he gets. Like the UFC should have never he should have never been there. And then obviously i I don't know if he could have trained any harder, but he looked awful both times. So I mean, he couldn't have been putting that much work into it. Um, so if if we see him pop up, it's going to be like what we what we've seen while he was out of wrestling, maybe uh, in a random indie horror movie or something like that. Because I just the the more we look at Punk's background and how cool the pipe bomb was, and and how like stand up he is for the stuff he is. I mean, he like he. he he has no friends anymore. He has F- FTR. And, I mean, look what he did to Cole Cabana. Look what he does to everybody that, that he gets kind of close to. He kind of just turns, turns everything the wrong way for everybody else involved. Ace Steele lost his job because of him.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know what? I mean, it's the exception of his wife, right? But, I mean, at the end of the day, when you kind of go through, I, like, I mean, I'm just going to be blatantly honest and we'll, we'll get to the shows because I think the shows are more, much more important than talking about this. Um, I do think that this will come up again, but I will say I will look forward to him in 2026 when WWE decides to let him in the Royal Rumble <laughs> and then basically squashes the lever <laughs> yeah. loving shit out of him. So, you never know, Chris. You might get your Omos throwing CM Punk over the top rope, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, for the main show, for this payback slash all-out review show, we're going to start with the WWE show um, that happened on Saturday night, which was... I can't really remember where it was. Does anybody remember where it was? Does it even matter at this point? I think it was in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania. I actually remember that the last second. Um, Real decent show. So, basically... Um in the preview show we we kind of rated what we thought were going to be the best matches. And uh, we're going to switch one of the matches up because one just really stood out. Um, basically we actually previewed um the three show the three that we previewed were the tag for uh, the street fight for the tag team titles. We previewed Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez. Um we also previewed the main event with Seth Rollins and Nakamura, but what we are going to start off with, is we're going to start off with a show that like a uh, a match that we thought wasn't going to be very hot and actually turned out to be one of the best matches of the night with Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch. And I mean, there was a lot of comments where we we're kind of watching in our, in our chat uh, with uh, me, Josh and Chris that we're going through. And um, this, this match turned out to be a complete banger. Chris, were you absolutely surprised with what you saw? And uh, do you just really think that this is actually two really good wrestling minds that came up with a really well-produced match that came out of nowhere?
1: Yeah, it came out of nowhere for me. Uh I think I think what I said is I, I think we all had the idea that uh Ripley and Raquel was gonna be like the big stiff match, and then this match was really gonna have to really gonna have to like bring its pull its weight to, like because you have two, two, sh- two women's matches on the same card. Um but yeah, I I I thought Trish Trish did really well. Um thought the storytelling was was good. It was classic. This is how that's how you run that's how you run a cage match. You have one person who has somebody on the outside who slams the door into somebody's face. I mean, they, uh, they checked all the boxes for the gimmick for me, for sure. Um, a lot of cage, cage stuff went on. Trish, Trish looked good. She, I don't, I, I thought she was going to have to get carried, carried the whole time. She looked good. She gave it. Maybe, uh, maybe this is one of her last matches. So, um, but, maybe the producing maybe they spent more time with her to get her comfortable but uh yeah this uh it was it was my surprise of the weekend
0: yeah and it was i think it was funny to really hear that Trish Stratus has never been in a cage match up to that uh, i believe they mentioned that on the on the show on Saturday night that that was her first one and i think you you kind of hit all the right notes i mean there was um there was climbing the cage there was trying to get to the door um you know at one point there was a superplex off close to the top of the cage i mean you got to keep in mind Trish Stratus is what 46 years old <laughs> In there and she didn't look like she was 46. Like she looks like she could probably wrestle till she's 50. That's how good of a shape she's in. But just the storyline with even Zoe Stark coming into the match at the very end of it. Um, just fantastic storytelling from what we saw from beginning to end. Um, Josh, when you kind of look at these gimmick matches. We kind of see these really stupid ones sometimes in, in WWE. Should these be used really sparingly? Or would you like to see these matches more involved with the women? Like ladder matches. Cage matches. Do you think that those those A and S tier women that are on SmackDown and Raw can really do those matches to justice? That would be great on these PLEs. That would really make for these A A plus matches that we that we kind of see. Because I think that match for me was an A or an A plus when I when I finish it off.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, with Trish and Becky being the ones who participated in this match, and not to say anything bad about Trish or Becky. But there's so many greater athletes on the women's division that could pull these match- this type of matches off. Becky Lynch, obviously, at the top as well. Um, but if these two were able to pull off this caliber of match, I think that if you allowed for the production to be put into the women's matches and allowed the women to actually be part of the script and making it sure that they're like telling the story themselves as opposed to having someone writing it for them just by themselves. I think that's part of the problem with the women is that they're really not booked to be strong like this, and they don't want to put the time into a match like this. In a cage match, you need a good thirty minutes because that's how you develop the story. And they really let them develop the story, like like Chris and like Matt, is, like you both said that you know like lots of action with the cage, the superplex. You know there was callbacks to previous like women champions. You know like Lita and Victoria when you know they used the widow's peak and the twist of fate, and um, you know it was just. It was really well done, and I was really appreciative that they allowed these two women to do that. Because that's something that the WWE and AEW, especially AEW, don't actually let the women do, is have a match like that. The only thing that the match was missing for me was a little bit of color.
0: (laughs) Well, definitely Trish, I think at the end of it, had that massive bruise on her forehead. And hopefully we'll be able to see some of it tonight, um, if she's there, to to actually see what the hell it looks like. I'm sure they're going to try and cover it up with makeup, but I really hope they don't. I hope it's gruesome. But I think at the end of the day, there's one kind of X factor that we look at these matches that we don't necessarily understand, too, is... Um, how much time are people actually putting into the the student side of it? You know, there there's one thing just to to be athletic, like you were saying, Josh, and have all the athleticism in the world. But do you know how the match, the psychology of the match works? And I think one of the things I'm starting to realize when you're kind of watching the women is that that psychology is not there. I mean, you look at um, certain certain wrestlers have it. Becky Lynch has it in droves. She also is married to Seth Rollins, and he's also an acute like like student of the game still to this, you know you you look at people like Christian Cage like he's one that just has a has a complete mindset for how everything should go in a match. He's done every type of match you can think of. He's just got massive, um, big like big brain for wrestling that happens. But how many of the the women can say it? And I'm starting to see it in the men a lot too. Like where you have these highly athletic kids that are coming in and they really have like Chris on some of the NIL deals where they don't really know anything about the sport. They're just there for that of athleticism. I, I think we can all agree that you look at somebody like Gable Gable Seveson or whatever his name is, he has no idea what it is. He knows how to amateur wrestle, but doesn't know how professional wrestling really works, right? So I think the question is, um I agree with you, Josh, hundred percent, but the question is, do those people with the athletic minds, minus I'd say Charlotte Noska, does that does that Bianca Belair have the, what's between the ears to really pull that match off. We know athletically she can. Does she have the psychology to keep that storyline going, right? I think that's a big one, and that's going to be a big talking point for the women's division in the next year or two to see how much movement there can be there. Um, basically, for our second match uh, that we're going with uh, for the night was uh, just an all-out brawl. Uh, in the for the tag team titles which actually the judgment day actually took the tag team titles from kevin owens and Sami Zayn in a steel city street fight um this match basically had it all it had weapons it was almost a it almost felt like a true tribute to terry funk and what uh he was doing through in the, those hardcore matches from back in the day but we saw basically um Kevin and Sammy wearing the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, you know, jerseys going out and, and and basically going against the Judgment Day throughout every single member in this match. Now, Josh, when you're looking at this match from a standpoint, what would you rate it? And uh, would you compare this match to some of the better hardcore matches that you've seen probably, when, um, probably 10 years ago when hardcore was really at its peak?
2: Um. Yeah, I think it was an A, A-plus for me. I uh, Like Chris, I, I did fall asleep actually through both pay-per-views because I'd been having such a hectic week with the strike. So I did rewatch everything the next day. Um, so maybe that's what kind of took the steam out of it is because I knew it wasn't live and I kind of knew the result. Because this this match particularly, I had actually fallen asleep during, which is weird because it was a hardcore match. I just was exhausted. Anyways, um, it I definitely, I don't think it was, you know, top 10 of hardcore matches, because I actually think that the AEW is consistently putting out top 10 hardcore matches on a weekly basis, it almost seems, with all the, you know, different types of hardcore matches that they're putting on. This was a very good match. I really enjoyed it. The storytelling is really good. I actually really enjoy the finish, gets the belts off of Kevin and Sammy, allows them to move their story along. Hopefully, they can find a way to split the belts up so they can have two tag teams or just create one one tag belt for, uh, you know, as an undisputed belt. Um, the judgment day, having so many belts is really great. Um, the spot with Kevin, Kevin Owens jumping off and doing that swanton, he, he might've like hit just by like an inch. He missed all, he almost missed completely and landed like right on his ass on the ground, which would have been interesting. Um, I thought the finish was was pretty good uh, with Dom stepping in with the Money in the Bank title. Uh, it's just kind of interesting how they're teasing a breakup between Damien and, and Finn, and now they've got the titles. So I guess maybe they're walking that back, or they just have a longer-term plan going on for them. But it was, a, yeah, it was A-plus a for me. They can't hear you bat.
0: See, that's what happens when you don't take it off mute. Thanks for letting me know, Josh. (laughs) My mistake, that's the first time I've ever done this on this podcast. But, um, yeah, I was just saying, like, you know what, the the kind of win-at-all-cost mentality, having J.D. McDonough come out, having Rhea Ripley hit a spear on, I think it was Owens, through the barricade. And, you know, having uh, Dom involved was, was just... It was kind of everything that's happened over the past couple weeks. And I, I know, Josh, you joke with those title eliminators where you say they're already the champions. But I think they were... They, they already- And I think they were. I think, honestly, I, I, I don't think... I think the the Judgment Day, like we said in the previous show, were favored to take the titles. And I think it poses a really interesting question. So, Chris, fact or fiction... Right now, we have Dom with the NXT North American title. We have um, Rhea Ripley with the uh, Women's Heavyweight Championship and World Title. We have you know Finn Balor and we have Damian Priest with as the undisputed Tag Team titles, and we have an absolute killer in JD McDonough who's not part of the group, but basically they all have titles. Do the Judgment Day at this point rank in the top five of best stables of all time in WWE?
1: Oh, that's that's a tough question, like especially like without having to think about it. But top five, it's interesting because I mean, they're well, we, as we keep saying, we're we're more of a more of a pro AEW podcast, but Judgment Day is one of the things that that I like most about WWE right now. So I like their entrance. I like the graphics. I like I like the way they all conduct themselves, I think. I think they found four perfect people that work together who are all completely different, and then it it's it's working. Like, uh, yeah, top five. That is a tough one well, the spot Well, here's just some,
0: just some to throw at See you, like, it? right off the bat. I mean, I know where I have them, and I'll tell you what I think afterwards. But, I mean, you think of, like, DX. You think of the NWO. You think of yeah. the Radicals at one point would be a great one. The Nation. The Nation. You know um, the the Undertaker's ministry and then the corporate Cor- the corporation, <laughs> the corporate ministry, the corporate ministry, the corporation. I mean, we can just go on and on with some of the ones. Of the four, four horsemen. horsemen was actually yeah. in there at one point and uh, trying to come back in, right? Like so, um, that it's just it, I think based on the amount of titles, when was the last time that you saw that many titles in a stable? It's hard to even think.
1: Yeah, of. probably the of NW, the NWO or the Elite yeah. maybe for a bit. So that. Or uh, sorry, um, Undisputed Era had a bunch of gold. They're another while. one.
0: That's another one that you can even throw in. So does that put them yeah. in the top five?
1: Oof, uh, you know they're close. Uh, if you, if you ask me, that, like when I think about it, I I, I just like everything about them. Um, I don't dislike a single thing they do. Um, they're 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 on the bubble. They're outside of the pop top five for me. They still have some time before. They inevitably break up. Well, let's see how these tag belts treat the two of them, because uh, it could just put another wedge in in you know the relationship between Balor and uh, and uh, Punishment, or sorry, <laughs> Punishment,
0: Damien um, Priest, yeah, also a uh, formerly known as Punishment Priest, Martinez,
1: yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let's maybe I'll, I'm going to give it some more time before let's revisit this when they break up and we'll see if they're into my top five right now. They're, they're, they're on the cusp. Josh,
0: quick fire. Yes or no. Top five. Uh, No, I, I also second that I don't have them in the top five either, but I actually have them on the cusp of the top 10. So I think time will tell with the stable. I think they have the most titles out of everybody, but I have to agree, Chris. I think they're, they're probably one of the most interesting storylines on WWE TV, period, because they're also showing up on NXT. They're also occasionally they were showing up on SmackDown, too. And they're one of the only rotating groups that have been going around, around, around to the different shows because they're, let's face it, they're the highest ratings draw on that show. And so the more that they're on, the more that you're gonna to want to go through. It's like Cole. It's like Cole and MJF, right? The more you put them together, the more you give them airtime. It doesn't matter where they go. People are gonna watch. And I think with Judgment Day, because they know shit's gonna happen. They love. They love Rhea. They love. They absolutely disgustingly hate Dom. I mean, those two can go anywhere on any TV show, and they're just gonna get booed or cheered for for, for whatever they're gonna do. Mostly booed though. So, I think this match was really interesting. I think it was, uh, was a top-draw match. I, I kind of had a feeling it would be, but I mean, it's uh, with those types of matches, Josh, we talked about chaos. And I think if you don't have an organized chaos, sometimes it just kind of gets really out of hand. And um, I think we saw that with a couple matches, not just um, with Payback, but just with here, too. And, um, you know, I think overall, I think it was a, a great, great match. Now... That being said, we're going to kind of move towards uh, the main event for Payback, which was uh, basically Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight title, um, who retained against Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, Really good storyline build up with this, you know, with uh, Nakamura and actually having the great Muta that was actually uh, out front sitting and watching the match. Um, You know, kind of going into kind of this Japanese samurai kind of shtick a little bit for... um, for Nakamura moving forward. But the storyline about Seth's neck, Seth's back, was a really, really intriguing storyline. Um, and uh, Nakamura really kind of exposed those areas during the match that we went through. Now, it's kind of interesting with Nakamura losing the title. So, Josh, what do you think happens to Nakamura after this storyline? Do you feel that if the storyline isn't compelling with him continuing the feud with with Rollins, Do you have a feeling that he's just going to get lost in translation on the Raw roster if, if they don't continue with this feud?
2: I mean, it's quite possible. I think that uh, based on what happened after Payback went off air, he attacked Seth Rollins again. So I'm expecting something to be shown on Raw tonight of that to continue the storyline. You would hope so. I think Shinsuke gets Seth you know, along a little bit farther. I mean, hopefully Shinsuke can get, you know, an actual title shot again and win the title off of Seth Rollins and then have, have a little run there and be a little bit in between the next great thing. Maybe I don't see him as a long term champion. Hopefully, you know, that'll continue. And he has uh, an opportunity to, you know, face Seth again and and win the title. But I think that it could just be, like, the stepping stone to the next story. And he's just kind of in between what we have some of these, like, uh, mid-pay-per-views or PLEs, as you may say. Um, So I I think that hopefully he continues because he's got more to show. And I'd really like to see more of him. Um, But uh, I don't have high hopes that he'll be a champion. And if he is, it won't be for long term.
0: So, Chris, question for you when you're kind of looking at this this whole match and you kind of talk about storylines and Nakamura and everything that's going on. And it, it's kind of interesting because, I mean, obviously, we, we could sit here and talk about both cards and have a three-hour podcast if we really wanted to, to go through each and every match. But I felt on this card... Slightly disappointed by some of the matches that I thought were going to be much better than they were. Like, I, honest to God, thought the LA Knight and Miz match was going to be kind of a banger on the side. It was absolutely disappointing, in my opinion. Um, LA Knight did his stick. I don't think LA Knight really lost a lot of steam from what happened. It just didn't kind of come out together as a great match. Um, Austin Theory didn't look great against Rey Mysterio. He had a tough time with a smaller opponent, I felt. And, uh, you know, that's basically somebody that you also have at the big, the top of your company eventually in the next three to five years from what people were saying. Right. Um, do you feel that this match was, was enough to kind of keep them going? Like, cause I don't feel as that the title holder, Seth is really going to lose any of the steam or anything that he has. Um, did you feel that Nakamura loses his steam from losing this match and and from the performance and like basically what did you think of his performance overall after being given a really good storyline um with at the top of the card in a main event on a on a WWE pay-per-view? Uh I thought
1: does he uh, how much I don't think he loses steam. I think uh I think the new character him by himself him not with the tag team. Uh, I think that kind of rejuvenated Shinsuke for people, so I, I don't think he loses too much steam after this especially with um with attacking Rollins after it looks like they're going to continue the storyline. Um I I kind of do I, I kind of do agree with Josh how this is kind of one of your you just it's like filler filler for the title until they they come up with a with a story to like a long-term story. So they're just going to put this in here for a couple months while they figure out, figure out and imagine the next story that's coming. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough for Shinsuke. I mean, he's always got that music. I mean, that music always gets everybody. So he's always got something. There's always something we're going to cheer him for. But, uh, I, I, he did, he wrestled like Nakamura wrestles. Um, I liked it. I, I, I thought it was an enjoyable enjoyable main event. Um, is it a secondary main event because they had another title so they can put this title as the main event? Yeah. Um, usually you wouldn't see somebody like Nakamura in it if you ask me. It would be kind of a bigger player. Um, but similar to Josh, uh, I, I would, would like him to, to get the title. There wouldn't be anything wrong if you asked me with having uh, Shinsuke win the title and then Rollins winging it back ending the feud and moving forward I'd be happy with that um, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes you know we always we never kind of know what WWE just does from one day to the next yeah
0: it's true I just feel for me I feel like the longer Nakamura doesn't have the title the more he kind of he kind of drops and loses loses that steam I think when you keep him on uh, a good performance I think if you keep the feud going I, I don't foresee anything wrong with it. And I think what Josh said, you know, alluded to at the end where he attacked them. And I think, like, that's that's a good scenario to really make sure that that's going to kind of keep going in the right direction. And I think eventually what happens in these longer feuds, too, is that everybody gets tired of seeing the regular singles match. And we're going to see, you know, a gimmick match at some point. And I think that's going to be really good because it, whether it's a steel cage, hell in the cell. I mean, I don't know what the next pay-per-view is for WWE coming up, but I know that we're getting really, really close to Survivor Series. Um, I think that's where you might want to see the payoff of that gimmick match come out. Um, and, uh, yeah, if somebody, if somebody wants to check it and they can tell me, but that's fine. I think the other real big news that we heard out of this before we switch over to the AEW side for all out is, um, basically, um, main event Jey Uso now being on raw during the Grayson Waller, uh, segment with Cody Rhodes and um, it looks like it's potentially setting up something with Cody and Jay. There seemed to be this mutual respect there. There was a couple of dirty looks that were thrown by Cody. Um, and I, I think um, it's a great move by WWE. I think it's it's a tough move for Jimmy because Jimmy's going to take a lot of slack on SmackDown. But I think Jay's just such a big star at this point that it's kind of hard to really ignore that. I, I agree that you, I think, Josh, you were saying before, you're, you're taking away one of the best tag teams of all time but I think at the at the end of the day when you're going through I think you can take a shot and if it doesn't work out you can always throw them back together and you're kind of right back where you started right um, so that'll be an interesting concept too so lots of good stuff we're filming on a Monday so it'll be interesting to see what happens on Raw tonight and uh, we'll keep you updated as we go along but from here we're going to move on to a crazy show that happened
2: yeah hey, go, Matt.
0: Josh go ahead
2: so September 8th wwe superstar spectacle in india and then wwe nxt no mercy at the end of september yeah, i think i
0: think they announced crown jewel yeah, today I, too eh
1: yeah
0: so yeah
1: well, uh november 4th i think yeah
0: so it'll be interesting there'll be some ple's that will show up especially the ones that are out in. uh jetta and you know up in india and all that stuff like those are at uh usually at one o'clock 12 o'clock those are kind of like the wembley hours (laughs) so it'll be really interesting yeah and
1: survivor series survivor series is generally uh thanksgiving november 25th u.s thanksgiving
0: it's one of my favorite or used to be my favorite pay-per-views
2: yeah it's november 25th this year
0: Chris, those were the best. Those were the best pay-per-views to watch on VHS when you were watching those eight-man tags and having the soul survivors. And what a great way to push! And doesn't get used as much anymore, unfortunately. But anywho,
1: I wish it did. That elimination style was it was so cool. You had like the Ultimate Warriors versus like the the Dungeon, and it, they're just it was so fun. And then you'd have somebody who goes down like three guys right away, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden they they come back to win it. It was, oh, it was, it was, the was always there, and the gobbly Gooker was <laughs> also.
0: <laughs> and then on top of that, it's kind of like what happened last night in the in the in the zero hour show when you kind of had Hangman Page um, in the Battle Royal, and then he's going up against two of the Embassy members at the end. He was going up against Brian Cage and I'm trying to think of the other one. Um. Anyways, two of the Embassy members um, after they said that Prince Nana was going to donate all the money to the. The, uh, the 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 mogul embassy um, charity fund or whatever it was so he's gonna take the money for himself and um, yeah so Paige won it and that was great but anyways we're gonna talk about all out we're gonna move into this which was not Chicago biggest news right off the bat we talked about at the beginning of the show was the the termination of CM Punk um, we're gonna try and really focus on the matches here but there was a couple it was kind of a shock because you have a PLE the week before in Wembley which is the biggest um, event, basically, you know, one day event of all time, uh, with 90, whatever it was, 80, 89,000 tickets sold. And then a really weird decision by Tony to really kind of go in and have another pay-per-view the next week in Chicago. Um, and to be honest with it, um, we kind of, I kind of looked at the card. We kind of looked at the card in the beginning and it, it, it's obviously not going to be as flashy as Wembley, but there are some really good matches on this card. And I was really, really shocked to go through it. At one point, I'm like, do I really want to spend the $39.99 US to get it? And I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm like, I'm on a podcast, so I kind of got to buckle down and, and do it. But it was like, these matches were worth it going through. Uh, we'll talk about some of the, uh, basically some of the the highlights that came out of some of the matches. But the three matches that we actually previewed um, were basically um, Kenny Omega and Takeshita in a singles match with Dan- Don Callis at ringside. Uh, we went through the eight-man tag, and we also went through Orange Cassidy and John Moxley for the international title, which actually turned out to be the main event of the evening. But what we are going to kick it off with is we'll kick it off with the eight-man tag, which ends up being Bullet Club Gold, um, the Bang Bang Gang, um, going against FTR and the Young Bucks um, in an 8 manner and, and eight-man tags have a tendency to be kind of chaotic. Um, we talked about this on... Um, the preview show we went through um, bullet club, get the win um, after some miscommunication uh, from the young bucks and on getting back into the ring. Um, but basically, really psychological match where basically Dax Harwood was was kept out of a, from making a tag for almost 10 to 15 minutes in the match, um, and then basically all hell broke loose and a whole bunch of crazy shit happened. So Chris, you looked at this match. We're talking about this could be the match of the night just because of all the teams involved. You got three of three of probably the you know the best tag teams in AW in this match but and, and kind of uh, an X factor with the guns even though that they have been tag team champions they're still a little bit green coming into this match. Um, who do you think stole the show out of the eight man tag for for these guys? Do you think that there was somebody that really come up or do you just think it was just a group effort that that ended up being really strong for a for a good performance?
1: Uh, I it, it was a good match, probably my probably my favorite of the weekend, I believe uh, I, I talk and I jog my memory, and there might be another one. But um, I, I found my eyes always going to Juice again. Like I, I, I found I was still, still watching Juice, still watching, watching what he was doing. And maybe it's because I'm a little more interested after we kind of talked about the last pods so, or the the review. So maybe that's just naturally bringing my eyes to Juice. But I thought he did well. I thought, uh, thought the guns showed okay. I, I didn't think I, I had no no arguments with them didn't see any parts where I just said, oh yeah there's the guns um good storytelling in the match some back and forths we saw some uh we saw some tandem uh we saw a tandem big rig sorry what's shatter machine big rig anymore shatter is it? machine. It's, yeah we saw a shatter we saw ftr and bucks shatter machine so that was cool like you like to see stuff like that um I think we're just building more towards maybe what Josh says on the on the review is to to maybe a four way between those four teams. Uh, I really seemed that way, especially if uh, especially if FTR and the Bucks are still kind of not on that level. Which clearly there was a miscommunication, so they're going to be uh, at each other again. Um, I guess what you could do with uh, with the Bullet Club Gold is is kind of have you can have the guns say that they were the MVPs and juice and Jay white say they were the MVPs and then maybe create some turmoil within BC gold. Um, and then that sets up your four way. Um, I just don't see them completely. If they're going to put the guns in this match, I don't see them completely kind of getting them out of the picture. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess overall, I think, uh, I think the MVP would be all of Bullet Club Gold. I thought they did a great job.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what? They're really solidifying themselves as really a main draw stable, and I think eventually you're going to kind of look at this Bullet Club Gold versus Elite kind of scenario, and whether that's going to be with tag titles or not, um, I, I don't think I really care. I think when you put those guys in the ring together, I think it's going to be great. Um juice from a level on a tag team perspective, like, um, the technique and, um, just basically the overall psychology that he brought to that match was fantastic. He was basically a stabilizer for the rest of the teams to go crazy. And it was already crazy. I mean, um, Josh, you heard on the, on the pay-per-view. I like, I mean, at least I hope you did where basically the young bucks got booed every time they tagged into the match, obviously because of the CM punk link and, and everything that's kind of coming through there. Um, so when you're kind of looking at this, we talked about this match in the preview and we were discussing the chaos. Did did the did the chaos of this match really affect the match rating or, or your overall grade when you're looking at this match as a whole? Because personally, I felt it did for me. Like I felt there were some spots that they were just all over the place. And my favorite parts were when they were really just in the ring, just trying to stop all the bullshit from happening, basically.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I actually was surprised when Chris said that this might be his favorite match. It was actually one of my least favorite matches. It was a, it was reasonable like the wrestling was great, but the like the confusion and the chaos like at one point even the announcers didn't know who was who who were the the, Legal the uh, people who were supposed to be tagged, you know, like the actual fighters. And so it was just really I don't know. It was lots of great spots and it was entertaining, of course, but uh as a wrestling match for me, it was one of the hardest ones to follow. And I found that I was getting you know, distracted by what was going on. And I, I like to keep track of who the legal men are and uh, it was kind of challenging. So it was, it was a good match, but it was definitely uh, not in the top three for this card for me. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I think it's just leading to more story. The finish kind of seemed like, you know, the finish was fine. Um, but it kind of seemed like everybody was confused, and but I think that was just part of the story, you know. Like the young bucks were like, "Oh, sorry, hey, you know, kind of sucks." There's really no consequences to losing a, a fatal, a, like a, a match like this, anyways. So, hopefully, it goes somewhere, and hopefully, it goes just like Chris has said. And like I had said last week, where we get to see like a fatal four-way with the tag teams, and then kind of see some disjointedness between Bullet Club Gold, and imagine they're going to be, you know, say like we're going to work together, but then they're not going to. Yeah, so. I
0: think one of the things with this is one the reason that um, kind of like what we did in payback, and we kind of switched the match out. There, there was potential to switch this match out of our top three. One of the reasons I really liked it is that um, I, still for me it was probably about a B plus. And the scenario was, was that even if you kind of look at the chaos, like Chris, what you were talking about before, this is a match that could have been somebody's match of the night with all the spots and everything that went through. There was so much crazy shit that happened in this match. Like, I mean, um, the miscommunication and the, and the poor time by FTR and, and, and the Young Bucks, really good psychology on their end and really kind of exacerbate their feud. The Bullet Club Gold really kind of showing a lot of chops to make sure, like, hey, like, we're contenders for these titles and, and really move this story forward is something that was really, really important. And that totally happened. Um, but again, I think, Josh, you're absolutely right. When you look at the chaos, if there wasn't, if this was a six-man tag versus an eight-man tag, I think we might be looking at something a little bit different I think this match probably ends up as an A because there's just less crap going on so it's just such a a, a funny match because you can kind of lead on either side and and I don't think anybody's really wrong here just do you like the high spots or do you not like the high spots do you like technique what do you like because they were all involved in everything there was um, charisma there was um, you know mat technique there was aerial technique there was there was everything there there was storytelling there like it, the match for me had everything it was just the chaos of it really threw it off and um, that's why i have it ranked lower than what it was um, and but this is why we put it on the podcast i didn't want to throw it out i'd love to i love to see what both of your your scenarios were looking at this um, so other than that uh, probably one of the best matches of the night we're going to talk about two of the best matches of the night and then we're going to talk about a couple a couple Small bangers that came out from some of the notable moments that we had. But um, we had a a really big singles match, especially with what happened at at All In, um, where uh, Konosuke Takeshita basically rolled up Kenny Omega, got a win over there. Konosuke Takeshita does the unimaginable at All Out and basically beats Kenny Omega in a singles match with Don Callis. Now, obviously, there was some trickery and tomfoolery by the brown noise leader of the Don Callis family. Me and Chris love the brown noise. We we're talking about it in the text, though, too. So, But um, this match was hard-hitting. Um, and um, the elbows that were thrown, um, the knees that were thrown. Um, Chris, I think when, when you look at this match, there was a couple times where Kenny Omega was dropped directly on his head. Like, there was a couple couple suplexes that happened through there, and I know that um, when we talk about wrestler safety and we talk about everything like this, it didn't seem that this match really had that. It seemed like it was just like, let's kill each other and see what happens. But when Kenny landed on his head on that, I don't know what your thoughts were. My first thought was, I wonder what Chris is going to say about this on the podcast. <laughs> what were your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's one of... It's it's one of those things again. Sorry, was that a was that on a high high back? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a high
0: back. It was like a, a high that... back. Uh, it was supposed to be a flat suplex. It was like one of those high arcing, like um, yeah, yeah,
1: like a Japanese yes. Japanese yes. backdrop, basically. Yeah. So, um, I man, I just it's like the Tiger Driver ninety one. Do we do we need to, do we need Kenny to sell it that much? I mean, and that's. That's a big thing of of AEWs, though, that those guys can sell as well as put on moves, right? And it looks good, but, I mean, the margin of error for something like that is so close. And, I mean, Kenny's Kenny's one of the guys who got you there. He's one of the... And and the match was great. I I had a great time watching this match. Like, it was fun. I, I found this one got the crowd into it for what I thought was a pretty pretty kind of low sounding crowd for a while, but they started to come alive during this match. And, um, I, I, yeah, the, we didn't expect that. We didn't expect, uh, Takeshita to, to kind of come out and, and get that W, but, um, it's good to see where, where the story is going to go. Kenny working with a young, big guy, they've done a match. It looks like the match can work. There's now there's some time for them to get familiar with each other, put on a story, have some even better matches. Um, and Don Callis I swear he I swear he draws on that uh <laughs> draws on that scar because sometimes it looks really bad and sometimes it looks like it's barely there.
0: Oh man and uh, and you know what fun fact after this one guys Chris after we talked about the preview show totally watched Bloodsport after we talked about Bolo Yung and basically Chung Chong Lee from uh, Bloodsport he totally watched it afterwards. Now Josh on top of that backdrop that we saw but kind of a a similar question to you we saw a reverse poison rana that looked unbelievable we saw a blue thunder bomb off the top where it looks like to landed on his like dropped omega on his leg at one point um we're looking at a lot of things here do you think like that those things that they were talking about with production that we discussed before with like some of the you know, obviously the thing that CM Punk was getting mad at like glass or these head drop moves. Do you think that just got thrown out the window in production for this match?
2: No, I don't think so. I think that like, I, you know, I still think it's somewhat of a work, anything that gets leaked from AEW. So I'm not sure if that was kind of like, you know, I think most of it was just, that they had to just get that pre-approved so that everybody knew that to expect the spot. Um, I think that it was, you know, the match was great. I think that it was, you know, one of the better matches on the the night. Um, even, you know, showed out, like, you know, Kenny Omega. You could just see that, you know, although there was a spot where he kind of, he slipped when he did jumped off the top rope, he still made it work by going to the knee. And although the announcers didn't sell it like it was on purpose, it could have been sold. At, like, well, the way I looked at it is when he did that and hit Takesh's knee, it looked like that's what he was looking going for. You know, maybe he was going to target the knee for the rest of the, the match. Um, I liked that they introduced the screwdriver, but the screwdriver didn't really impact the finish because the referee got in the way. It may have, you know, caused the delay enough that gave Tukes to that advantage. But I think that you know this is just the beginning of a of a longer feud. Hopefully, they have another match, and then you know maybe it's a gimmick match or something like that. Uh, you know, best two out of three Iron Man match or something like that or, you know, some some way to get Don Callis out of it. Um, but yeah, it was really, really impressive and I, I, I think that, you know, Kenny, especially Kenny, he kind of spits in the face of those those rules. He kind of just says, "Yeah, those rules might be for everybody else, but they're not for me." Similarly, John Moxley, you know, those rules don't apply to John Moxley because you know it's like, "Oh, you can't have this, you can't have that." And John Moxley's busting out the thumbtacks <laughs> and the glass and the massive stomps Ears that he loves to do.
1: Oh, there's so many. There's so
2: many. <laughs> <laughs> they were actually the best stomps that I've ever seen John Moxley do they still weren't good shut out they weren't but the first few were good but yeah anyways
0: i think it was kind of like yeah we'll get to that match in a second but i'd have to agree i think uh, a lot of people would look at this match or the main event that we're going to talk about and they would probably like hit back and say that because of where they were in the card and how they were they were probably those were probably the two matches of the night right um, and I don't think anybody can argue, but I think this Omega to Cash to Don Callis feud has been great. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm really hoping to see what the payoff's going to be. I think Don Callis, when you watch him as a manager, um, you know, he's got a brilliant wrestling mind. He always has. Um, but his ability as a manager to really kind of step up, even if you remember his old work that he did when in ECW, when he was uh, part of uh, the network. And, you know, like, he's just got this face that you want to just punch. And he's just like, yeah, Cyrus? he's so easy to hate, and and I think like when you look at a lot of it when you go through, I think that's that's really his his heel heat, right? He's not looking for this cheap heat; he's looking for this real good heat. And um, I think in a lot of cases, like just watching him along, like the 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 at the bottom of the floor, like you know, really getting involved in the two counts, really getting involved by chirping the fans. Um, and, and like Chris said, just even the, yeah, the, the draw on that scar is definitely getting much, much darker from every time we see it. Um, you know, it's just part of the flavor of the match, and I think he added to it a lot. I think he brings this up probably about a half grade if he's not there. Like, or sorry, if he if he's not there, the match will drop a half grade. That's what I honestly believe, and it's just because you just you just want to kill Don Callis, and that's just what you want to bring as a manager is either that heat or you want to bring that that pomp and you know that uh, that that energy to the match when you go through. So um, from there, um, what we're going to kind of go through is we'll talk about the main event of the evening, which was like we said for the international championship. It was Orange Cassidy against John Moxley, and John Moxley actually takes the title from Orange Cassidy. I think Orange Cassidy that was his thirty-second defense of the international title since he's gotten it. Um, match was an absolute brutal one. Josh likes color. Chris likes color. I like color there. Uh, there was color in that match. Let's believe that. So. Um, Just kind of really started off uh, a little slow, but just kind of walked through and, 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 you know, it was just, it was a beating. That's basically what it was. It was Orange Cassidy really just trying to prove his durability again in a, in a title match, just like he did at Wembley, just like he's done in matches in the past. Um, But this one was uh, just a little bit different. John didn't stop. And you know what? Josh is a big, you know, slice my salami with, you know, with this, with the, with the John Moxley stomps being nice and weak and he was hitting them real hard. <laughs> so, we talked about it during the preview show. We talked about, like, where this goes. And what do you think happens, Josh, with Orange Cassidy at this point? If you were sitting on it, like, with Tony Khan tonight and you were saying, what do we do for Orange Cassidy right now? What are your thoughts and plans for where he goes?
2: Um. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think that the loss for Orange Cassidy was actually going to be fine for his career. I'm, I am confused as to why John Moxley, why they would put the inter, international championship on Moxley because I see him in more of a main eventer. So that's, I mean, it's, it's fine, um, but uh, I'm not sure. I think that potentially we start to see a different side of Orange Cassidy. Like, as you could see when he, he was doing his kicks that he started to you know get more aggressive with his attitude kind of like maybe he kind of evolves slightly i still think he needs to keep that slacker kind of that stick because it's working and like it's so over but i think that if he evolves the character gets into like a better promos where he's actually kind of like doesn't have the title but he's vying for the title or he's always he's that underdog fighting but he's fighting with some more grit and I think that's kind of maybe where his the evolution of his character goes. Again, always would be happy to see a heel turn. So maybe that's something, you know, where the best friends are like, oh, it's okay, man. Hug everybody. Love everybody. And he's like, nah, ah, you know, <laughs> this. And I would just like to see a turn. Um, but I would understand if he doesn't because he's, the, like, you know, the most over baby face. But they did it with Jungle Boy. So I think they can do it with Orange Cassidy. I would just hope for his sake that he continues uh To keep that character, I, th- I think you know that character that he has. Not where he just evolves it, but if he if he loses that, then he's kind of like, uh, that's kind of what's besides his work ethic is keeping the fans on his side, right? So like, I don't know, but I'd still like to see. Yeah, I don't right. think I don't
0: think we're gonna lose him being the top baby face. I think I think a, a heel turn is always interesting whenever you have like those top faces in the company because they lead to our favorite things, which are swerves, right? And I think when you're looking at a lot of them when you're going across, I, I just don't think like I think like I my my goal here is that I don't want him turning into like a Darby Allen. You know, where we already have Darby Allen and and, and for those that watch the the pay per view, Dar, Darby Allen and Luchasaurus was a great match too. Um, but They're too too different, and I think right now what we're seeing is we're seeing Cassidy just taking beating after beating after beating, and it feels a lot like kind of what's happening with Darby, except Darby's just so, I'm going to do everything I can to not see 40 years old um, by throwing my body at everything, where Cassidy's mostly getting beating up. That's like the only real difference. Um, So... Chris, kind of in the in the in the nutshell, when you kind of watch this match, I mean, on paper, stylistically, it looks a little weird. You have kind of a, a brawler against a slacker slash, you know, aerial artist. Um, and this turned out to be a, a really, really strong match with a strong story. Did you feel that that was the case when you watch it? Or did you think that this could have busted? Was it a gamble to put it in the main event slot? What, what are your thoughts?
1: No, I don't think it's a gamble. I mean, anytime you have Orange Cassidy, he performs, he brings it. Everybody loves seeing him. I thought for a while, I thought this is going to be like the coming out party of, of like he takes that next step. And then John John Moxley, when he won, kind of it did take me aback a little bit because like, OK, like it, I don't know. So to me, to me, it seems like time off and I think it's well deserved time off, I think, uh, or his Orange Cassidy. He kind of left on making that plea that he's never going anywhere. He finally spoke. He finally stopped acting like a slacker, um, and then, yeah, to go out this way, I think it's a good way to kind of write him off TV for a bit. Give him, give him a little bit of time off, and then he comes back as that guy. Um, he's been putting his body through hell, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I was, I was hoping, I was hoping he got the W. I, I, I was hoping he'd come out of it. And uh, could show that he'd beat the he could beat those top ten guys in your company, but um, if it is time off, I do like that uh, they gave him someone, someone the stature of of Moxley to take the title off. Of. Well,
0: I think the other thing is that people think that this is devalues Moxley as a performer, and I have to disagree. And I think the reason is is that Moxley is such an easy choice to send to Japan in any choice to go defend a title like that. It's kind of like having the NJPW like U S title. It's like, you know, that if, if somebody has that title, they're majoritively probably not going to be Japanese. It's probably going to be somebody to try and get the style over. Like it's an Osprey. It's an Omega. It's, you know, it's, um, you know, potentially a David Finley at, at this point in NJPW, but this is kind of a great spot for Moxley in the sense like, yeah, this kind of feels like, you know, when Sean Michaels had the, the European title for a bit, <laughs> But I think, like, the ability to have him go defend it um, in different places and really use it as kind of a, a thing. Because John, John gets the ability to get on so many shows, which um, the others don't. And I think that that's a really, really important thing to kind of keep in mind. I think that um, it, it's great to see. I think I'd have to agree with Chris. I think Cassidy is in line for a vacation. He deserves it. Um, but I think Moxley will carry this title um, uh, across a few different places and across the pond, which will which will be really kind of crazy. Um, just to finish up, there are some other great shows on this card. I mean, there was a couple very, like, when we talk about heavyweight people fighting, like, there was a couple heavyweight tilts in this. Like, when you look at Joe and Shane <laughs> Taylor, Joe and Shane Taylor, maybe not the greatest match, but Shane Taylor is pretty much one of the, I wouldn't like that's about probably a B for me. But at the end of the day, it was interesting to see Shane Taylor, who's like such a from the history of ROH, just such a big part of that company during, um, you know, kind of the the lower effect years where basically he kind of kept the show running with Shane Taylor Enterprises and watching him and Joe basically fight each other was was crazy however the the match that really stood out for me that got a standing ovation at one point was basically powerhouse hobbs and miro and i didn't expect that at all i just i had a feeling it was going to be a good match i didn't expect that to be an a a minus a plus match for me and it totally was um it had everything and i mean i don't know what you guys thought about it but you just kind of watched like the fans yelling slap the meat josh you look like you're gonna say something
2: it was the match of the, that was the match of the night for me actually. I thought I, I really they they both showcased their strength and like durability and I, I really I mean the hard hitting they just just the sound and the beating that they gave each other. I was shocked because I think like those two guys typically have squash matches. So so to see them actually have matches a match where they go the distance and they have a good outing against each other and it's good and physical and each guy has kind of you know, I don't think that either uh, like I don't think that Hobbs lost anything by losing the match. I think that it, it you know to lose to Miro is is fine because Miro is basically Hobbs in you know ten years, right? So I think that uh, Hobbs it, it this is just kind of like the next step, and maybe you know it's the evolution of his character and hopefully he he goes forward with that and miro you know he's going to continue i think i'd like to see miro lose a couple more times you know here or there because it kind of seems like they always book miro as like he's never going to lose so if that's the case then put the heavyweight title on him instead of giving him these secondary titles but anyhow i thought it was it was my favorite I match I
0: night, would have so. to i'd have to second that and that's why chris when you actually said now that you have your thing and you're like this feels like dynamite plus or whatever it was i was like what the fuck are you talking about because when they went to give the handshake at the very end, I was getting emotional because they were getting a standing ovation. And I just thought, oh my God, like I said, if Miro doesn't shake his hand after this match, after that match with everything they got, I said that was it. And then they shook the match. And then all of a sudden, Hobbs swerved him. And then I've never felt more as a mark in my entire life at the end when that happened. And then his wife came down when CJ Perry signed with AEW. I guess she's all elite now. I don't know if they've announced that, but... Um, and she looks like she's got a bunch of work done, too, which is, you know, and I think her, her I watched it again, and basically her entrance said, hot and flexible, which doesn't seem anything like Miro and his Redeemer character. And when she showed up and he starts yelling, he goes up the ramp and he starts yelling, you're not real. You're not real. And, like, you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I was so taken away by that whole match because it just had everything. It had, like what Josh said, the physicality of it. It had the emotion in the match. And then all of a sudden it had all these questions which are now is like, are these guys going to fight again? Now what's going on with Miro and his wife? Now what's going to happen to Hobbs? like, now what's gonna, <laughs> like that, that was just it for me. And I'm, I'm so shocked because on a card that good where we have Kenny and Takeshita, we have Cassidy and Moxley. That match for me stole the show. And I would never in a million years think that that match stole the show. For for me at all. So I I strongly recommend if you're watching this podcast and you you do not watch AEW and you're a WWE fan and you've been begging for years about heavyweights beating the shit out of each other and you think that AEW doesn't do that. Go watch Samoa Joe and Shane Taylor, and go watch Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs, and I'll tell you, you will not be disappointed. I'm not going to sit there and say it's going to make you an AEW fan, but at the end of the match, if you like good wrestling, you like something interesting, you like something that tugs on your heartstrings, just has everything together, that that definitely Hobbs and Miro was was something else. <laughs> and um, Chris, I don't even know did, did you did you get through that match? Do you end up watching that? Like, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, Honestly, I did.
1: Uh, I i i liked it a lot i thought uh yeah uh, like uh echoing you guys they they showed all their they showed all their all their strengths perfectly um i i think we've, we've been high on powerhouse for a little while, oh, yeah. like since he started since he lost the overalls and he's starting to you know get to open his mouth a little bit more um i think we've been this is like something we've been waiting for and uh Looks like it's going to go on longer since he swerved him, uh, so that's good. I, I love the Redeemer character; I've always liked it. And I, if this is just the, the first of the, what we're going to get, I mean, this is ten. T- this is going to be ten times better than Miro and Bobby Lashley. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to see what these two can do with some airtime because this uh, this could shoot one or the other up the moon or if everything is going well it could do do a lot for both of them
0: i I feel like for me this is miro's last like one of his last shots i think miro no matter what happens can be amazing in japan he can be amazing anywhere he goes just on just on that credibility alone but i think at the end of the day if you want a good shot at national tv like and you're running it you got to run it now and i think this is this is the character this is the line that you got Wife or no wife, whatever you decide to do, just go with it and hopefully it works out. But I think his size, like Josh was saying, makes it very difficult to not have those squash matches. He has to be in those big boy matches and and really have those to really kind of get over. and And that's a scenario that's really important. Now, last thing before we uh, we get Josh slicing some salami on the cutting board with the mortadellas and the uh, and the uh, the pancettas and everything like that. Um, I never thought we'd really be on an AEW card where we're not talking about MJF and Cole. And I'm just kind of shocked about that. I thought everybody really brought it. And, um, yeah, I think like the if we had to pick which card, I, I think for me it was the all-out card was better than WWE. But I think if we were to have three more matches in WWE, we could have a, kind of a, a gunslinger's duel there, which would be all right. But, um, yeah, really, really interesting. So, that being said, Josh, slices your salami, buddy.
2: Alright, today in What Slices My Salami, and I think that we saw a couple of them in the AEW pay-per-view. I also think that AEW's is more, uh, this happens to them more. Um, What Slices My Salami are bad two counts by refs or bad kickouts, because I'm not sure, but it seems like a couple times there's some matches that have had some really weird finishes where someone either didn't kick out or kicked out, and... Uh, it kind of, you, it's really obvious and there's a couple of the AEW refs who are really bad at it or it's the, some of the wrestlers who just have a terrible kick out on the three count and it's like the ref stops and you can still see that like the, they haven't, they've stopped and then the person moves. It just kind of takes away from the close counts, for the, the close falls for me. I think that the close falls are really important and maybe it's just the way that they have the camera angle, but... I'm not sure. I, I tell me if I'm wrong, but was the was a European uppercut really the finish in the tag match? Like, I mean, or was Eddie's head uh, covered and he didn't hear the the two count? I don't I don't know. It it was really weird because Eddie looked strong in that, and I get it. They were kind of building him up, but like, even the announcers like I've never seen anybody win with a European uppercut. Maybe it was a bad three count. I'm not sure. I don't know if they do that in AEW. It seems like in AEW they actually won't hit the three count even if they give a big delay, so I'm not sure. But shout out to Aubrey Edwards because I've never seen her do it. She's the best referee in AEW right now. Um, And that's what slices my salami fellas.
0: Yeah, you know, so I mean, you look at that boys, we're going to get a little bit of a rest after this podcast because I think we'll be back on uh, regular programming starting potentially on Friday night, which would be great. Back to one podcast. I'll be on a work vacation there next week, so that'll be okay. But I think other than that, Chris, is there anything that you'd like to add? Final comment?
1: Uh, Just to, like, what you said, we didn't talk about MJF or Cole. We also didn't talk that much about LA Knight because his match turned out to be kind of a dud. And I guess clearly what we saw at the end of that is him and John Cena going eye to eye. And we know John Cena is going to be around for a little bit longer. So you never know. Maybe he's going to. Maybe he's going to get uh, maybe he's going to get the rub. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say was that um, I did mention this in the chat, too, with the, with you guys. I, I did think WWE's commentating was really on point yesterday. I are uh, on Saturday. I agree. sorry. I thought Payback's commentary really, uh, really kept me in. Like there's just it, the information didn't come up as I mean, we, we heard vintage, whatever. That's fine. But uh, some of the information they would come up with was, was kind of new and, and actually served a purpose. So, I don't know. Kudos uh, kudos to the commentating team at Payback. I think it
0: was uh, funny, too, when you're kind of going across, too, because I think they were talking about Jim Ross again yesterday um, when they were doing the All Out um, um, pay-per-view. And I think a lot of people, when they put JR with Luchasaurus, they find that the connection's not there. But they said that a lot of people online were really actually highly touting JR and Nigel McGuinness together because... Nigel McGuinness is a little bit older um has that scenario where he can kind of go through and they felt a lot of fans felt that he had a better connection with Nigel than he did with Luchasaurus. so um I don't
2: you you don't mean Excalibur sorry Excalibur
0: Excalibur. why am I just I said it because of the max sorry Excalibur my my bad
1: (laughs) yeah I I didn't really uh JR there was nothing I really noticed bad about JR yesterday I like I don't have anything to say about it unlike unlike in uh
0: and all in, Josh. Any final thoughts?
2: He was probably just jet. Yeah, I know it could in.
0: be right. Josh, any final thoughts for you, good sir?
2: I, uh, yeah, m- maybe it's not all a work.
0: Okay, yeah, that okay. seems odd, but
2: <laughs> because CM Punk, is, no, because CM Punk is now you know like remember how previously with all with the the all out last year I've been saying it's all work and. I guess you know CM Punk just got fired, so unless he comes back, is it all at work? I did notice that like all of All Out had the stars that were similar to CM Punk, and Matt, you pe- you pointed out that Sky Blue was wearing CM Punk CM Punk themed gear. I don't know if she would have had enough time to switch her gear from All In to All Out, anyways, because that was that would have been pretty quick to get her gear switched out. So I I don't think that was a nod to CM Punk, but uh, yeah. I guess it's not Some all. Some people the are
0: saying too. I think I was kind of. I don't know
1: what to believe that's anymore. That's kind of mistaken.
0: Somebody was saying that there's something about like Chicago in, involved with the stars and everything too. So I think that's maybe what she was doing because uh, in the in the entrance, I guess somebody said something. If you rewatch her um, in the zero hour, they actually got her and she actually said, "I'm from here." Because somebody was asking, I guess like whatever, like uh, I guess when they had her on camera and she's like, "I'm from here." <laughs> so and that was actually right in the entrance if you wanted to catch that, but. Um, zero final thoughts for me. Um, it's nice to get a little bit of a break from a PLEs. Mind you, it was a great month of August and going into September. It'll be great. Um, you know what? With that being said, you can hit us up. Hit us up on follows. Hit us up on, you know, subscriptions, anything that you need to hit us. Can I
1: enter? I'll, I'll just interject before you get to your final. It's the it's the flag of Chicago. There we go.
0: Perfect. Thank you for that. So I wasn't completely wrong, which is good. Um, but, yeah, I think other than that, for follow, subscriptions, you can hit us up anywhere. You can hit us up on the Apple Store. You can hit us up on Google Play. You can hit us up on Spotify. You can hit us up on YouTube. Captivate will tell us if you're watching or not because we got it. But wherever you are in the world tonight, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We all bid you adieu from the Red Blessing Podcast. Bang!